on this episode we congratulate manchester city for their historic treble we look back at the season all the goals and the lows the superstars the signings the disappointments the surprises one final time this is the tokitaka podcast Hello listeners welcome back to the last Toki Taka podcast episode of the season we had the final of the Champions League yesterday night as you can see most of us are pumped about excited about talking about this game we really enjoyed it and it was such a great sporting pinnacle of uh, Manchester City's homegrown talents when they lifted that trophy it was such an amazing sight to watch for all of football the fairy tale story finally coming to fruition the davids have finally beaten the goliaths and now they're at the top of the pile introducing the panel today you can see radha ji you can see rk you can see ashwin you can also see a dartboard which has suddenly been replaced by ab who is making his triumphant return a team in blue has lifted a cup and he's back so <laughs> uh getting into the talky moments guys i don't think we have much of talky moments to talk about for the week so let's talk about your talky moment of the entire season what was it that caught your fancy during this whirlwind of a season which had a football world cup right in the middle of the season as well so i mean i'll, I'll just go by what i see from on my screen uh, radha ji go first I think the I I'll go with the World Cup and that World Cup final um it I've never been so heavily involved and so heavily excited by an international tournament like I was uh maybe it helped that it happened in the middle of the season and we weren't kind of done with uh football in the way that we usually are when these international tournaments come around and the players were probably at a the peak of their fitness and peak of their sharpness uh, during that World Cup so the the quality of that World Cup was through the roof um and that final to cap it all off i think that's going to be my talky moment of the season um but from a premier league context i think in a terrible season where we had absolutely very little to write home about uh, that 7-0 against united is is something one small ray of hope uh, not hope but a small ray of sunshine in this otherwise very dark season so yeah uh, the world cup is my talky moment but as a little bit of a cheat my option too is the united 7-0 Senor, I hear you, and I'm going to give it to RK next to respond to that. You know, I, th- I think we have talked about the seven nil quite a lot, so I, I appreciate why Rana would add it as one of his moments of the season. If if I was on the other board, I would also have done the same. So, uh, but you know, my my talky uh, moment of the season, I have two actually. So bear with me on that. Uh, it also has partially to do with Liverpool, uh, but it has more to do with. uh with you know how ten hag molded the side in the wake of two very bad defeats uh at, at the start of the season so my first talking moment of the season is where ten hag kind of reassembled his team made them do the hard yards uh, and did it with them like in terms of running that 11 12 kilometers and uh, you know giving that kind of a direct uh, kind of a punishment and uh, you know laying down the law and uh followed by uh, the old trafford match against liverpool which was kind of like almost reaching a do or die situation uh in terms of team morale and uh, you, you know being able to turn it around against 
Liverpool in that game, and then the season kind of jump started. So that was a very very significant moment. I would say the most significant moment of United season, uh, where everything was on a precipice, and Ten Hag was able to turn it around with just with, you know with force of discipline and personality. So that is the first moment of the season. Second moment of my season is also to do with the World Cup. Uh, at the start of the tournament i wasn't very invested by the whole you know messi should win the world cup storyline but the more i saw him play and the more i saw argentina you know start with a bad defeat and then start to turn it around game after game i really became uh, you know very invested in the whole messi story especially once brazil got knocked out and the uh, like the day of the final is the only time i think in the last so, uh, like seven to eight months where I have been to a temple. So that's a bit of a funny side story where I went to the temple and I prayed for Messi to win. So Messi winning that final and the way the final played out like a proper boxing match, going to the last minute penalties, that was, I think, you know, it, it was the defining moment of the football season. Okay, so you prayed for Messi, but you didn't pray for United in the FA Cup final. Figures. Uh, Ashwin, what's it going to be for you? Did you end up praying for Messi as well in Qatar? Uh, no. Well, I, I didn't go to a temple for sure. But uh, of course, for me, uh, going to the going to the World Cup in Qatar was like, it, it was an unbelievable experience for me. I, I, I think for any football fan, just going to a tournament like that. Uh, I remember uh, I was in uh, this place called Souk Vakif in Doha. And there were so many Argentine fans over there. And they were all singing and like, drinking and dancing and they were like you know literally had so many Messi banners out there so the fact that Messi finally won the World Cup uh, this time around is it has to be my talking moment of the season um, I think I think before the World Cup or uh, you know there were you know, this always this puzzle between Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi fans uh, I, I mean I I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I, I, I respect them both equally but Messi, uh, sorry, Cristiano Ronaldo fans always said that Messi does not have, you know, that that uh, you know that international level trophy that Cristiano does have, and the fact that he did win the World Cup um, and you know he cemented his place as the greatest player of all time, I think that that for me is like it, it has to be the talking moment. So just just clarifying, Ashwin, like uh, people on the streets of Doha celebrating and drinking, we meant buttermilk, right? Like, uh, what 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 was flowing on the streets of Doha? There, there are areas where you could drink, so it's it's absolutely fine. Like uh, I know, uh, you know, there was a certain image painted about Doha. It's it's not England for sure, but like it was it was fun. Like it wasn't buttermilk. <laughs> And finally, coming to the returning uh, podcaster, Ab, sir, you've been missing ever since Potter got sacked. I, I heard you were heartbroken with his departure. What's it been for you and uh, what's your talking moment of the season? Uh, first of all, who's Potter? I don't remember ever hearing a name like that. Does such a person exist? I only know Harry Potter. Um, yeah, in all seriousness, though, um, coming to the season, I think my talking moment... Uh, it has to be uh, City winning the treble. Uh, obviously, it's been a crazy 11 months or 12 months. Uh, I cannot even remember when the season started. I remember feeling somewhat hopeful hopeful then about things. Uh, at least the World Cup was nice. But uh, it has to be for me City winning the treble. 
I think the one thing that United fans have always had one up is that 99 season. And now City have made all of that look pretty uh, simple. Although, of, of course, it's not simple for any team to do it. Uh, so, it has to be City. The holy grail of the Champions League has finally come to Pep in uh, Manchester. I hope this means that he Fs off. But uh, I doubt it. That's all we can do, right? We can hope that he he decides it's it's enough. I've done all I needed to do and he goes. But uh, knowing him, he'll probably want to win the quadruple next season. And he's probably still cursing Nathan Jones about it. Uh, right? For me, I think it was uh, when I was in Barcelona during the Spain-Morocco game. And after Morocco won, the Moroccan fans basically took over the town square. And it was a big, big party. I mean, we've been watching football for ages now but um, in India we've never had any skin in the game when the World Cups came around despite the fandoms and it was really nice to see a country who actually did something nice and unexpected and their fans basically celebrating that so so that was fun um, nothing from the Premier League sorry I, as, as Ab says I don't think that season ever happened so I'm just counting that as a moot point um, right so as Ab said uh, there was a treble done by Man City I don't think we have too much of an interest in talking about the Champions League final that happened yesterday but let's just do a quick um, wrap before we get into reviewing the season in detail De Bruyne went off injured again in the first half and at that point, I thought, oh, maybe something is happening. It was half-time. It was nil-nil. It wasn't as one-sided at all. Probably Inter shaded it a bit in terms of opportunities. Unfortunately, they were playing with 10 men and uh, Lukaku was playing for the other team, forgetting where he was and stepping in ways of uh, the shots of his teammates and, and hitting direct balls at uh, Ederson's legs basically acting as agent Lukaku unfortunately for Inter Milan but uh, it wasn't as lopsided as we had feared it would be I would say that probably they they took it to City more than United did I don't know if you guys would agree I think it, it was um, for me it wasn't that much of a okay, this team looks like they're playing amazing football and they should win this game. I feel like City was in second gear or third gear for a lot of time. May, probably were nervous, probably like they were, in, I think, even in the FA Cup final, maybe not nervous, but definitely not at their game. Um, they pressed well. I think Inter were really aggressive with the press and they were uh, causing a lot of stress for uh, Man City, who made a lot of mistakes, which is again why I go back to the very nervous start and there was a period of time where the ball kept going back and it kept going to Edison and Edison played a few passes astray and they were, there was a lot of talking and there was a close-up of Pep Guardiola and he's just saying, relax, relax, calm down. So, uh, there was definitely a bit of uh, jitteriness in Man City's boots, but I, I don't think that uh, Inter played at a level that you would think, oh, okay, they're better than Man City here. Uh, I think it was just a matter, for me at least, it was a matter of time until uh, Man City just got their way back into the game. I don't think they ever did, actually. They had uh, they operated for the entire game at that very below-par level. But at the end of the day, a goal uh, from an unlikely source is just uh, typical Man City. Uh, they got, got the job done over the line. And then at the end, Lukaku... 
I I was actually hoping for a redemption story uh, with Lukaku maybe scoring in this game trying to make up for that terrible run of misses that he had in the world cup he had what a chance he had one he blocked uh, somebody else uh, trying to shoot um, almost at an open goal and second he he headed it straight into the keeper's hands with the whole goal looking so yeah i think in, in the end i'm not yeah city probably sh- sorry inter probably shaded it but they didn't look like a team that was significantly better than probably on the night they were but yeah i thought no inter took a lot of the things which united did last week uh, i'm not sure if they uh, if they did it better because you also have to consider the game state uh, inter for large parts of the game were uh, you know battling at 0-0 whereas I think City got off to a great start in the FA Cup final, and United were always trying to, you know, counter that and, you know, uh, and fight against that. So whatever United demonstrated, I think, uh, was coming up against a more difficult situation than Inter did. But having said that, Inter, uh, like, if you look at the pressing shape and how they tried to stop the pass into the pivots, stop them passing through midfield, and you know, trying to force them wide, and then trying to press them out there. So a lot of those things were taken directly from the FA Cup final. I thought maybe Inter already knew it. It's it was not something which was a you know uh, like like necessarily an invention by Ten Hag or something. But it, it's pretty much common sense. But uh, the tactics were similar. Uh, I thought Inter were uh, not that good on the ball. A lot of their transition moments and how they tried to basically spring the counters were all too predictable for me. They always tried to go through one of the fullback channels all the time, almost, uh, and which which City were able to easily stop. I I thought compared to the FA Cup final. Uh, however, the main difference from the FA Cup final was how City completely or uh, you know lost control after scoring the goal. That was very unlike City and uh, Inter had their best chances after going down one nil. Uh, and yeah, that's where the Lukaku story comes in. And uh, like once he came in the way of a goalbound shot, and uh, I I still can't believe how he missed that sitter. Uh, you know, on the header, like it was it was much easier to score than what he ended up doing, which was you know direct his header at the feet of Edison. I I don't think Edison knew anything about that. And again, uh, I said this in the FA Cup final, and I said it again, and I and I say it again now. This this like you know both these finals. Should have gone into extra time at the very least, and probably both the teams, Manchester United and Inter Milan, should have actually shaded the contest. So I, I don't think City played that well, but I think Baby has different views on that. Uh, yeah. So see, listen, it, it was a really cagey, cagey affair, right? And I mean, uh, like the Champions League final at the end of such a long season uh, can be a cagey final, and I think. The last few finals have just shown us that you know, uh, winning one nil is not like is probably is probably good enough to win the Champions League. So, uh, if City weren't at their very best, agreed, they had lesser xG, uh, primarily because Lukaku had or uh, Lukaku had those uh, misses and chances. Uh, there were uh, there was a and and the chances that City had the one that Foden. Uh, I think Foden had a really good chance, or at least he he had a decent enough chance to make it 2-0. But like those chances were still, uh, you know, far and few between. 
So City weren't at their very best. You could say that there were there were nerves kicking in. You could you could blame it on the humidity in Istanbul, like like you could blame it on anything. But then at the end of the day, they did enough to win the fun. Um, to win the trouble, you need to be you need to have such games, right? Uh, when United won the trouble as well in 1999, uh, they had a few games where they weren't the best team out there, but they still won it. So I think fair play to City for doing that. As far as Lukaku is concerned, I I mean, I think even after leaving United, he is haunting us, I feel. <laughs> because, like, the, I mean, he got on the way of uh, a clear goal and then the headed shot. It was like Ederson did not even know that, you know, uh, like that he, that he had saved it. Like, I mean, had he gone like even an inch or two to his left or right, that would have been one all. And then you you don't know what 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 uh, you know where the game could have progressed from there. Uh, I was a bit surprised with Kyle Walker not starting uh, at the beginning of the game. Uh, Pep Guardiola mentioned that it was a tactical switch. He he did not. I know Kyle Walker was not fully fit, but Pep did say that it was a tactical thing. Although I did do feel that Ake did a good good enough job there. Um, I think shout out to um, uh, Brozovic and uh, Barella as well. They had really good games. Uh, so, I, as an in, as an as an Inter fan, I would be I would be gutted that you know at least this game did not go into extra time. Uh, I think the XG stats are out there to prove that Inter could have won won it as well. But then, yeah, I I I would I would retain my. Or reiterate my, uh, uh, you know, um, opinion that Inter, sorry, City did enough to win, and they have the trouble now. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Ashwin. Like when it comes to finals, like all other forms of analysis or the typical analysis that we would do of a league game, all of that doesn't apply so much for me. I think you need to do what you need to do to win it. I can understand why City are a little nervous. Um, they only made it to one final before this where they've lost. So if they can't immediately come and execute all of their patterns of play, which I'm sure they've practiced a million times, you can understand that given the situation. Um, and I think we should also give credit to Inter. Uh, they are they may not be Italian champions anymore, but they are still a very good team. So they And they made themselves hard to beat. So I think um, I per- personally expected Inter to come out and do what Chelsea did against Bayern Munich, basically defend, 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 and try to get a corner or something and score. Um, and maybe Pep also expected that, but uh, I think Inzaghi had other plans. So I think Inter gave a good account of themselves. And yeah, we did it. This argument of doing enough to win all that is okay. It's a good argument on paper, but you you won a final means you won a final, and they have a treble now. So I don't think any of us can say anything about that. I just think that uh, Lukaku needs some therapy now after the season he's had, considering the, the the Belgium game at the World Cup where he refused to uh, score even if the ball was given to him on the goal line and he was expected to just 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 touch it in and uh, coming in the way of the goal's hair in and and stopping his team from scoring rather than scoring himself. Uh, yeah. Definitely not the redemption story he wanted. Can, can I just say that there was this moment in the game when Martinez could have passed the ball to Lukaku, right? And then he, 
like and and he chose to you know uh, he chose to go for the goal right but knowing that it's lukaku he would have missed it as well he would have missed that happen. like i'm so convinced that he was playing for city and not inter yesterday so uh, brandon williams is uh, trending today because he apparently went on an instagram rant after the final yesterday he's taken on rio ferdinand about how are you um, why are you uh, calling them winners and you are two faced etc etc man this is this is shitty uh, city have sloppy seconds this is not the first treble so he's he's basically being a proper uh, keyboard fan while being a player of at one of the affected clubs if if i can say so but uh, he's 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 trending quite a lot today so you guys might see him uh, in 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 the twitter timelines later today I mean, part of me does not disagree with him, <laughs> but but also like I mean, uh, like City deserve it, man. Like, and I think Pep finally uh, deserves it as well. Like he he the, the, he's just transformed the city the city team as well. Like uh, some of the tactical changes that he made uh, mid season, like uh, John Stones is playing like. Javi Hernandez or something that's like you you can't discount that and like uh and the improvement that he's brought on Jack Grealish as well from his first season to his second like i mean you have to give it to him uh, i mean my i i can only hope that you know UEFA or someone open up proceedings against city again and you know they are stripped of all their titles but you know that that goes against real common sense that you know if if they didn't have guardiola and if they didn't have such a such a thoughtful policy of you know building a team which suits guardiola then this whole thing wouldn't have happened so in that sense in in terms of you know pep guardiola and what he has done for man city they definitely deserve the treble however at the same time i i hope that whatever you know have has come out about them between 2009 to 2018 violating all kinds of rules breaking ffp it has to get punished i i i just i know it won't be punished but i just hope that you know city get some kind of punishment because of that it's finally about breaking the rules right i mean you you can be owned by a saudi or a qatari state or a emirates state but finally the allegations against city are not that they are owned by emirates it's that they have broken the rules yeah yeah, yeah exactly so that's what like i agree with you on that like uh, innocent until proven guilty so they, they i mean if they are found guilty and if uh, so the action should be taken against them for sure but as it stands they, like they're not guilty so there's that no let's let's not even like i ashwin said uh, something like if they are guilty i'm sorry like let's not even let's not even entertain that notion that we've seen the emails we've seen everything that there is to see now their legal argument is different from what we've already seen the emails where they've talked about managing the excess funding through internally and all of that and the only reason that 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 was apparently deemed impermissible in court they weren't saying that they have not done it it just that the evidence was impermissible so i mean let's not even like get into the thing of whether they're guilty or not guilty but yeah i agree that you shouldn't take away from the fact that on the field they have been extremely efficient not just on the field i think uh, what they've done for the city of manchester the area around i think that's a template and uh, the saudi should just absolutely close their eyes and rip off this template completely uh, for newcastle i don't think there's any um, 
I don't think it can get better than how City have gone about doing this job. Uh, and they didn't go too fast too soon. Um, they didn't go too far too soon. So they started pretty slowly. They picked around talent in the Premier League first year. Hockey Santa Cruz, Adebayors, uh, Tevez. You know, they got some of these players to take them up a couple of levels. And then they started investing in true elite players around the world. And it's been a it's been an amazing process. So yeah, I, I, they deserve the success that they've got for what they've done on the field with Pep and with the team. And there's no doubt that they're the best team in England and probably in the world. I'm actually scared now for what this means for their seasons going forward. I think they'll end up becoming, uh, now that they've got this off their back, they'll end up becoming like a Real Madrid kind of situation where now they know that they can win uh, in the in the crux. Pep has the monkey off his back as well. They have the squad and the team to, to do it for them. I think they're going to win this uh, at least another two times in the next three to four years. Yeah, we shall see. And uh, I think on that note, let's move on from the Champions League final. <laughs> no one wanted to discuss. Um, so, as a, as a review of the season that uh, just we just had, we have a few things to ask, like uh, player of the season, team of the season, etc., etc. So, let, since we're talking about City quite a lot and that how they're this big, huge team, let's start off with your picks for team of the season. Uh, RK, you want to start us off? For... Team which wrote the best narratives and which occupied our mind space for the most part. So from that perspective, I go for Arsenal. Arsenal, despite the way that they ended the season, I think uh, like no one expected them to be challenging for the title. It was again expected to be whether they can qualify for the top four or not. But the way that they played, the, the points that they accumulated by the halfway mark, uh, and and how good they look to finally you know break that entire drought that they had, and and then that final you know collapse uh, at the end of the season. So I I think the best story of the season was written by Arsenal in uh, like on both the counts, uh, and also you know having a having a manager who has played for them in the past, uh, you know a model that has failed with Lampard and with Solskjaer, but Arteta getting you know success out of it, and then building a very you know, uh, like building a young team uh, with a lot of academy graduates and also buying young players who a lot of uh, people said that are not the right players for Arsenal. So from all those aspects, I think Arsenal wrote the best story uh, for at least from a neutral perspective. From, from Like from an Arsenal perspective, it would have ended with Arsenal winning the league, but I, I still take Arsenal as the team of the season for me. Anyone uh, thinking that the team that won the treble... Uh, is the team of the season. I mean, if you win the treble, man, you are, you are the team of the season. Like there's, no, there's no debate on that. But yeah, I mean, I, I do, I, I do agree with RK as well that Arsenal. Uh, I would say Arsenal are probably the surprise of the season for me, rather than the team of the season. Uh, but like you can, you can, I think Brighton also uh, make a good shout there. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting Brighton to be anywhere close to the Europa spots. Uh, but yeah, it's City for me. I mean, you can write all the narratives you want, but, you know, um, see, Arsenal fans are always ambitious, even if their club has sometimes not always been that way. So, even I don't think Arsenal fans would really argue that uh, their team is a team of the season. It has to be City. I mean, Treble is just like peak of football, uh, peak of club football. Uh, so, yeah, it has to be City. It can't be, like, can't be someone who finished second. Come on. Uh, Radha, uh, we have a different take, right? I think uh, the deserving winners from Brighton 
take our fancy for team of the season because um, the way they 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 kept coming back despite not uh, getting their just deserts. I mean, they had uh, a season of building, then Potter went, then all those players went, then even their staff was taken away by Chelsea, and yet they kept coming back. So I, uh, I think a lot of my uh, season review stuff is in, in is influenced by uh, some of the things you said, Swag. The season that Brighton have had, the churn that they've had through the season, getting their entire management team booked out, uh, and still maintaining a, a pretty pretty great season. Uh, so yeah, they are Brighton are my uh, team of the year uh, for sure. I think. They're operating at a really elite level offensively uh, right now. So if you look at uh, the XG that different teams have generated um, this season, Brighton is actually higher than Arsenal. So they've they've generated 78 XG um, this year and Arsenal is 77. That's a 29-goal turnaround uh, season over season. They were 29 goals lower last season and now they're operating at a Liverpool and Man City level over the last five years this season. They continue to score less than their XG. That has been a trend that we've seen for the last so many years. But such a turnaround is just, it's unprecedented. I've not seen, it's, it's, I think Arsenal have improved as well. They're operating at 14 goals better than they were last season. But 29 is through the roof. And that's one of the reasons why they're uh, actually in the, were in the reckoning for the top four as a dark horse, albeit. Uh, they've not improved much defensively, but offensively, they've gone through the roof. Um, and with two different managers and managing that churn through the season, I think that really warrants uh, some credit. Obviously, City winning everything and all that. But for me, it's also a measure of this is also the performance versus expectations part. And uh, that definitely for me, Brighton is way, way over the top versus any other team. Arsenal were the closest competitors for me, but I uh, just picked Brighton. Because I thought what they've achieved is actually much more unlikely than any of the other teams. Uh, on on a related note, uh, manager of the season, I'll 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 fly the flag of Bournemouth's Gary O'Neill because considering they were expected to finish absolute at the bottom of the pile and uh, surviving with five or six games to go, I think that in itself was an achievement for me. So I'll 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 take Gary O'Neill as uh, manager of the season, but. Other opinions are welcome. I go for Roberto Deserbi for kind of the reasons that you guys mentioned. But also, from a tactical point of view, I think uh, like Deserbi has been a breath of uh, like you know fresh air. The kind of things that he has tried to implement in building from the back is something that Guardiola has also tried to uh, you know make as a part of his game, especially uh trying to pull the press what struck me the best about deserby was how he tries to you know trap uh teams into pressing high and then play through them that is something which a lot of teams uh, have tried to learn from and for that reason you guys already talked about how he's dealt with turmoil and how he's reshaped the team made it more attacking but the whole tactical uh, freshness and you know, the approach that Deserby has brought to the Premier League, for that, he's the manager of the season for me. I mean, for, for, for me, it's, again, <laughs> I'm sounding a bit predictable right now, but, like, uh, uh, it's it's a big achievement, man, like, to get to get, uh, to get a treble, uh, to win a treble, sorry, uh, especially in a season which has been so long with the World Cup in between as well. Uh, I know you got the... Uh, 
Haaland cheat code. I mean, I'm not ashamed of saying that. Like, I love Pep. I, it's, I just hate the fact that he's, he's joined a rival club. Um, so, I mean, he deserves the credit. I, I think uh, he struggled in his first few seasons at City, uh, which, which, is, uh, which is absolutely fine. Uh, I think Jurgen Klopp is another one that I really respect. And he struggled in his first few seasons. You know, I just uh, spoke about how it doesn't matter who finishes second and the team which won the title should be the team of the season. I'm going to go against that logic for manager of the season. I think, um, and that's only so because we are so used to saying that that that's Pep. It's always Pep. Uh, I feel uh, I'll go for Eddie Howe. I think um, obviously halfway through last year, Newcastle got taken over. Everyone expected some 600, 700 million pounds to be splashed. But who's the manager who's going to sort of take charge of using that money wisely? I don't think too many people would have said that is going to be Eddie Howe. Uh, they've spent very wisely. Uh, Isaac, Gimaresh, all very, very good fits into their team. And um, uh, and they've been excellently managed by Eddie Howe. They've finished in the top four, of course. In the, in the end, they've ended up finishing comfortably in the top four. And they've completely looked apart. Uh, they look like they're going to be a constant fixture in the top four now, right? So there's, uh, and Eddie Howe is looking like a top four Champions League manager, right? So I think um, he's gone up a level, right, from relegating Bournemouth, and then of course I think he went to Fulham after that, and now he's here. Uh, I think he's uh, Eddie Howe has to be the uh, for for me at least the manager of the season when I sort of stop looking at who won all the trophies, but I think it has to be Eddie Howe. I, I agree with most of what you said up, but I am not sure that they will be able to replicate this again next season. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens next season, considering they've not had any European football with this squad. They will obviously uh, reinforce in the summer, but it'll be interesting to see how that pressure and expectation now now they will have that expectation. They didn't have that much expectation this season, so it'll be fun to see how that happens. I'm surprised. I'm surprised our Everton fan over here hasn't mentioned Sir David Moyes at all. Rada, what do you think, David Moyes, for manager of the season? I think he had a pretty shit season, if we're being honest. Like uh, they were very. He was as close to getting the sack as any manager was uh, this season. Um, so yeah, I think uh, like this for, for me overall, the entire season has been a bit of a freak. Which is why I agree with RK. I'm not so sure about Newcastle um, keeping their place in the top four. Obviously, they'll have the money to back the manager. But if you just go through some of the performances of a lot of the top teams, um, Liverpool, even City and Chelsea, their drop-off versus last season is quite stark. Um, And the teams that have actually freakishly picked up have taken their places in their top four, like Arsenal, Brighton. Um, So, I I don't know whether... You'll see some of these underperformance happening again. Uh, West Ham, honestly, I I thought he was pretty pretty bad. But yeah, win a trophy at the end of the season you always should be there in the in the reckoning. But no, no chance. I I agree with um, R K and Ab. Uh, for me, it was Deserby and a close second was Eddie Howe. Yeah, I think uh, West Ham fans are calling for uh, Moyes uh, as their greatest ever manager considering he's won them a European trophy. So, yeah, that's that's probably the standards that they're looking at. But fair enough, he did what he was expected to do. He kept them in the league and he won them a trophy and they'll be in Europe next season, which is more than we can say for a few big clubs in, in the league. Okay, play, player of the season. 
uh, I don't want to hear about Haaland, even though he is my player of the season as well. Anyone who doesn't have Haaland as their player of the season, do you want to have a go? I'm, I'm going to go for uh, Odegaard. Uh, I think he had an absolutely incredible season. Um, I remember when he was signed for Madrid and, you know, he came with all this fanfare, didn't live up to it. Uh, and then he was signed by Arsenal and I was like, okay, maybe Arsenal are getting, uh, you know, uh, a player who was super high but not the end product. Uh, but yeah, he's, he stepped up uh, quite a bit, like in the partnership that he developed with uh, Martinelli, Saka. Uh, it was just great. Uh, he got me a lot of FPL points, which I appreciate as well. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, if it's not Haaland, I think Odegaard would be a player. So, actually, that's a little bit of, again, a little bit of uh, cheating on my part because I have Haaland in a different section. So, uh, I, I chose this section to be the, if not Haaland, who else kind of uh, discussion. So, yeah, De Bruyne for me. Um, I, I think not so much for his output. I think he's had great seasons in the past as well. But for me, looking at De Bruyne play this season, I feel like he's lost his legs. And he's 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 probably operating at half the pace that he used to have. And he was quite a quite a spark uh, in the run and uh, running past defenders and getting in behind and really dominating in so many ways, including physically. I think that physical aspect is completely gone out of his game and he's still dominating the league. Um, that, that part is just like, uh, that really... Uh, took me by surprise this season. When the season started and I saw the way De Bruyne was playing and him not having that burst of pace anymore, I thought, okay, this is the start of a decline that we're going to see. Uh, but no, I think in all the big games, he came up big. Uh, he still controls the pulse of that team, regardless of having amazing players all around him. Everything still seems to go by him. And I feel like yesterday when he limped off in the Champions League final, there was a feeling that, okay, is this going to happen again? He's that important for the best team in the world. So, yeah, for me, he's the player of the season. 16 assists, no joke. Uh, uh, I think like he'll, he's had such seasons in the past. But for me, he's lesser of a player now physically. So, to still be doing it, uh, that's what makes him the player of the season for me. Okay. Uh, in terms of signing of the season, I think let's, let's give... Uh... The the boy his due it's it's Holland for three of us yeah I'll sort of pivot my opinion like this I remember us discussing in an episode not too long ago uh, and I kind of also feel that because I've missed a few episodes uh, I remember us discussing how or the ways in which Holland could have possibly made City weaker uh, it wasn't too long ago that we discussed that uh, at that point I think City were Maybe around six or seven or eight points behind Arsenal. Um, uh, they had, I think, drawn a couple of games. They had drawn a blank in one or two games. And we were talking about how their natural flowing football could have been impeded by buying this kind of a target man who needs to be fed all the time. Um, and then just the way City have sort of made us all look like idiots for even thinking that. Uh, I know I'm praising City more than I'm praising Haaland, but the guy just fits like a glove into the team right now. So, and he's just going to score, man. He's uh, By the time he's done in England, this guy will have, I don't know, he's going to have 200 and 250 goals, right? And uh, it's scary what he can do. It's scary what he has already done. And, um, but yeah, it has to be Haaland. It's like anybody who comes in here and scores at the level at which Ronaldo used to score and at the level at which Salah has been scoring recently, 
has to be my player of the season or the signing of the season. Yeah. Not to mention uh, that he forget he came from a farmers league. Don't forget. You know that is the reason why I kept ha- you know Highland as the player of the season as well. Not because of just the numbers and he scored so many goals and you know how he helped City. So like people think of it as obvious that okay Highland comes in scores anyone who comes in and scores forty fifty goals the team is you know getting a natural advantage. It was not like that for a large part of the season. I feel uh, what Ab referred to, and we were right at the start of Feb in saying that, you know, City at that point were a weaker team with Haaland than they were without him, and that is how they were actually playing. But uh, I I remember us also discussing that you know th- that we trust Pep to kind of find the right formula in some way or the other, and that that happened from March onwards. And once Pep found that formula by pushing stones up. creating that old box midfield that he likes i think it completely changed so i mean uh, and that is the major reason why you know haland is the player of the season for me because it wasn't as easy as people thought it was to fit him into the team yeah okay but uh, in terms of signing of the season you don't think he's the he's the best signing of the season right both the united boys have gone for someone else someone not named haland and someone yeah, from the I, right I side of manchester uh, So 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 I knew that you know, know Ashwin have... will take uh, Casemiro so that's why yeah. I went for Lisandro uh, the logic behind not selecting Haaland as the signing of the season was just that I, like I approached it in terms of you know something which was probably not the most expected so Haaland every single team in the Premier League if they had the resources would have wanted to get Haaland so in terms of making the signing in itself it was pretty obvious uh, but I think United Uh, uh you know took a slightly left field approach by getting lisandro martinez there was a lot of criticism of how he will be able to cope with the premier league especially from a certain very special analyst jamie carragher so after that you know turning that around and showing that he uh, uh, like a player like him can also fit naturally into the premier league and what all he's brought to united in terms of you know playing out from the back and the tenaciousness that he brings in he's the uh, you know signing of the season for me for me for me it was it is casemiro and of course i could have, i could have gone with haaland as well but like casemiro for me just up leveled the united midfield in a way uh, you could you can see the difference uh, in how united play when he, he is missing and there are a few games that he missed during the season i think the fact that david de gea would probably end up with the most clean sheets is because of the invisible work that casemiro does uh he he intercepts so many passes and i think he makes other people around him look good as well uh he chipped in with a few goals i remember the uh, the goal against chelsea and the passion and the energy that he brings into the team is just it, it's just unrivaled um so for me like he's 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 the kind of midfielder that we had been crying out for so long uh, uh so yeah for for me he's he's the signing of the season Yeah, see, I think Casemiro was my number two for sure. Um, as good as uh, Martinez has been for me, the actual the transformational signing for me for United has been Casemiro. Um, if if Martinez doesn't play, I still think that United are a much better team now with Casemiro on the pitch. However, if the reverse was true, if Martinez was playing and if Casemiro was missing, I think they will still be a little questionable at times. so i mean we i don't know we were all a bit surprised when the signing happened uh, we, is he like it, something happened is he physically not there yet as he uh, is he just coming for the money we all had a lot of doubts when we were when we were talking about him in the beginning of the season 
but he's come in and absolutely brought in the champions mentality and shown that he has not changed anything um, i think you, uh, real madrid going and signing all those young players that's made the uh, decision for him and he wants to wanted to go somewhere else where he felt more valued uh, but for, i mean uh, a nice discussion to have uh, of, of all these players but Haaland, man, like it's hard to look past that guy. As we go about praising Haaland, no end. Uh, it's important to remember that uh, he didn't score against Chelsea this season. Just keep that in mind. So we have there is a there is a formula, guys. You just have to learn it from us. I remember correctly, Messi didn't score against Chelsea till like two years or three years back. So if you if you want to be known as one of the greats of football, don't score against Chelsea, please. Yeah, I'll take the third spot over that thirteenth spot that you got. So, <laughs> were we thirteenth, fourteenth? I don't know. I think Ab cancelled the season, so even I st- I stopped looking at looking at the table. But uh, anyway, now the fun questions start. Uh, who was on that note? Who was the disappointment of the season for you? Uh, I'll I'll I I can say that uh, I really really was sad about Graham Potter not working. Not just because this was at Chelsea, but I felt like this was one of those rare opportunities given to a young youngish english coach who has done his time at the lower levels at at smaller teams and then stepping up rather than getting a superstar manager from from a different league so i'm i'm really sad that that didn't work out and obviously also because that affected my team in terms of the standings yeah um on that note since you're on that topic i'll jump in i think for me Obviously, Potter was disappointing. A whole bunch of things happened this season that were disappointing. But the root cause of this, uh, are really all that stemmed from um, stemmed from very bad management uh, and ownership of Chelsea. I think the owners have had as bad a first year as you can get of owning a club as it gets. Um, so that's been the most disappointing because you know these are owners. Were actually used to owning sports franchises. They all they own the LA Dodgers, uh, and they've been known to manage all of that well. I think uh, it became a classic Ted Lasso situation where, uh, or just because you think you know how American sport works, don't come here and think that you you understand how English football works. And uh, while Ted Lasso has done fairly well, uh, these guys have not. So um, Todd Bowley, Ekbali, that ownership group. I know Bowley is the face of it, but uh, he's not the sole decision maker there. I think they have completely screwed up uh, a lot of things that were going well at Chelsea, and um, now it's they're hoping to hit the reset button. Let's see how all of that plays out. It was uh, unfortunately Cristiano Ronaldo and the in, and the interview that he did with Piers Morgan of all people like that. Uh, anyway, I, I mean I. F- like it seems like almost two seasons ago now but uh, of course uh, he wasn't having the best best of seasons and the fact that he came out um, and he said some right things in the interview he called out the glazers but that's not new united fans have been doing that for ages uh, but then he started making it about himself he started calling out legend you know the legends of the club as well he he made some Sly remarks about Wayne Rooney, uh, and you know, of course, he didn't like playing under Radnick and Denmark, and, and it, it just made it so much about himself. Um, and I remember this was just before the World Cup, and then I went into the World Cup, of course, supporting Portugal, and I could see like United, a lot of United fans 
with the with their Cristiano Ronaldo t-shirts out there and it it just didn't feel right uh and uh, i mean that was the time like i was like you know i mean how how can united fans uh you know uh, respect a player over the club so it felt so wrong for me uh so i was really disappointed with with that i think ronaldo should have stayed on for one season and then just left he of course wasn't getting any offers from other european clubs who were willing to pay him as much as the saudi club did uh i think good riddance at the end uh i would still remember ronaldo as this kid who came on from sporting lisbon won us the champions league won us all those uh, all those uh, you know premier leagues as well Uh, but that interview is like a blot in his career and is a blot in uh, you know my fandom towards me. Yeah, uh, towards that, like the reason why I didn't select this whole Ronaldo episode in this particular section was because it was not a disappointment for me at all. I was frankly very happy to see that interview come out because I felt we just needed some kind of an opportunity to kick this guy out, you know, out of the club. He was becoming a proper liability both on the field, off the field. He was creating a headache which Ten Hag didn't need. so so you know when this whole thing i was thinking of what to put a disappointment i i didn't even think of putting it there because i was genuinely happy that he left uh, but coming to my disappointment i think it's about where maybe i don't have a right to be disappointed about where as be, uh, as well seeing how shit it's been all along but even then the way, you know the way that var has been implemented especially with respect to the red cards which casemiro got i think it shows how uh you know inconsistent the application of var is the same way you know they apply in some other case and it's not even a card sometimes it's a yellow card and sometimes it's a red card i think if if fans want to enjoy football more and if results have to go more according to the what's happening on the pitch i think var needs to really scale up so that's why it's it's a big disappointment for me the way that var is being used across europe right now Yeah, that's actually a good one. Uh, I think we all echo with that one. Um, there's a WTC final going on, and there was a bit of VAR nonsense happening in that as well yesterday. Um, my disappointment was actually Spurs, um, and while they should qualify equally for uh, LOL of the season, which is the next uh, section that we're going to get to, uh, but. if you guys recall we sat here uh, as we went into the world cup and we were making predictions on who's going to finish in the top 4 top 4 after the world cup and i strongly believed that spurs was going to be one of the teams that really kicks on uh, i thought that they have generally uh, conte teams have the fitness uh, advantage over a lot of teams and this is a season where i thought fitness would come into play more than others um, also while there was some churn around conte's availability and stuff before the season uh, sorry before the world cup after the world cup i thought things would settle down i couldn't have been more wrong it just blew up in such amazing fashion and while you talk about that talk tv interview i think the conte interview is just about it's right up there in terms of blockbusterness uh, incredible moment and i think we all can't stand daniel levy and to see spurs go up in flames like the way they did was actually quite funny but also very disappointing um the other big huge disappointment more not because they it was unjust but because i really feel sad about it was leicester getting relegated i think that was um i think we all loved that story that underdog story who doesn't uh, but to see them and then with that their owner 
all the stuff that happened with their owner and the helicopter crash and then all of them coming together it just feels like a very likable club um lot of good stories in around that place but yeah to see them get relegated was a big disappointment as well yeah a quick uh, word on the surprise of the season for you guys i think ab uh, you and rather think arsenal were the surprise of the season to be honest they have a pretty average squad if you have enketia as your backup if you have jaka as a starter if if you have some of the uh, if reese nelson coming on as your impact sub uh, to borrow parlance from another sport but if you have these kinds of players in your squad and you're still actually pushing the best team that we probably ever seen a treble winning team to the last say four weeks three weeks of the of the league um i think kudos to them uh, definitely a great season for arsenal and while they may be disappointed they are definitely i'm surprised by how good that they were yeah uh, same uh, sort of i have to echo what rather said so see um if there was a season for arsenal to pull up a surprise i felt it was last year because last year they were in no european competitions at all um so i thought you know that's the time when they'll they'll they may shoot for uh, say a third or something like that and really surprises but uh, 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 in a year where they were playing in europa league i didn't expect them to uh, do as well as they did um uh, there were so many games uh, rather also said it briefly where they just they look like champions they needed a last minute goal to win it they got it they needed some wonder strike from outside the box to rescue a point they got it all of the things that champions have typically got in their favor over the years um so uh, of course you know at the end of the day you're up against a machine like city but arsenal uh, you know i think they can be happy even though they'll be disappointed with how the season ended understandably but i think they should be happy with their season definitely the surprise of the season for me i didn't i didn't rate arteta as a very good manager i stand corrected um i think arsenal uh, definitely uh, look good enough for to sort of retain this top four thing going on even in the future uh, seasons i think just because it has been the world it, it was a world cup year morocco's uh, morocco reaching the semis was like just incredible uh, they came out of nowhere um, i know uh, i would probably not like this but hakim zh was performing like uh, you know mohammed salah or something for morocco so that was that was that was great to see um uh, it's just one of those fairy tale kind of uh, you know runins that uh, you want to see in leagues or you know any competition so I, that's why i've got with morocco you know uh, like i i am always i i love the tactics part of the uh, you know of the game and in the world cup again Uh, you know similar to what deserbi brought to the premier league i thought morocco brought a very different kind of uh, footballing style uh, a style which might be you know a kind of in danger in today's uh, especially in the league football or in european football you, uh, it's probably tougher to get away with that kind of style which is why it was very refreshing for me to see the way that morocco applied you know playing a very counter attacking very uh, almost you can say a negative style of football uh and that shows that at least in tournament football this kind of uh, you know style has a resonance and it is still has a relevance and morocco did not you know uh, like morocco were not totally negative about that style as well uh you know there were periods in the game where morocco 
had a medium to high line as well it, it was very uh, you know different to see how with a middle block a team is ha- having a you know pretty high line so so that was one thing and then even on the counter attack it was very refreshing to see zh uh, you know and and how like morocco were countering through midfield countering through the wing so i think uh, like for me morocco were the real surprise package the other team which is a big surprise for me from the season is fulham if you if you look at the predictions that you know like we'll probably come to i think half of, uh, you know half of us had put fulham to be relegated and probably the other half kind of put them to finish in the bottom 5 6 and be be fighting against relegation so from that point of view to see what fulham did be uh, you know be comfortably in the top half of the table was was a pretty big achievement moving on uh, quickly to the funnest question what's what what's the lol of the season for you and what's the goal of the season for you guys so um, i i think uh, as things go chelsea has quite a lot of big claim to be the lol of the season um the way the entire club has functioned apart from the women's team which has been uh functioning as if no takeover ever happened and everything was as is but apart the the men's team the owners the managers the 007 memes about lampard who had lost the first six of his games he and he somehow ended up beating bournemouth otherwise bournemouth would have finished above chelsea as well but uh, yeah i think chelsea for me were the funniest story yeah, of the season my story of the season my lol moment is uh, i i can't think beyond the tushel conte bust up it's it's probably so long back in the season that 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 it's almost beating the memory because both of uh, you know both these men are no longer there in the premier league but i think that moment uh, you know always makes me laugh whenever i think about it how they had you know started with shaking hands and then uh, like probably tushel was the one who took offense that conte isn't looking at him and then they start fighting i mean it, it was proper blockbuster stuff it it kind of reminds me of the you know ipl uh, lsg rcb kind of thing as well but but i think uh, as boys we always love these kind of bust ups so yeah yeah i also have to pick graham potter who never looked like a chelsea manager uh, i'm not lolling at him i'm lolling at the decision that uh, that led him led to him taking that and uh, about how how uh, you know messages came out that no matter what they're going to stick with him they're going to give him two years they're thinking long term blah 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 and then they realized that they made one of the dumbest decisions ever and then they took another decision to try and undo that decision so i think classic it's like abramovich never left so that for me is one of the funniest things of the season funny in a sad way but funny um yeah i think for me the uh, lol of the season and the goal of the season involves the same guy so uh, richarlison uh, he had a i think he had a very hit and miss kind of well i think more miss than hit kind of a season uh i i remember that that time when he uh, scored a goal to coffee shirt uh, got a yellow card and then the goal was ruled out for var i i do, i'm forgetting the team i think it was against everton but like uh, whatever it is uh I, i the the one that i was that the one that i found really amusing was that goal against chelsea uh, so sorry against liverpool uh, things that you know he has uh, salvaged the situation for spurs and then Uh, you know is dissing the fans and like uh, you know pumping his fists and all of that and like really rallying in the uh, cock 
and then i think it was jota who scored the winner so it was like it was like a very funny and like probably one of the most spursy moment uh, that you could have as well so that was the level of the season the goal of the season is also richarlison in the world cup like i think i've got this world cup theme going on but what i really liked about this goal was the build up the passing and the audacious finishing but also at the end of the goal or, or you know after the goal was uh, uh, the goal went in uh, the celebration the pigeon dance right uh, it is one of the most cringy dance ever but to see you know the brazilian team uh, doing the pigeon dance with uh, richarlison and then i think even the coach joined in and made uh, like that that i mean that was a really good moment to see as well so uh, those are my two moments of the season to lol and goal moments of the season yeah i mean uh, lol of the season uh, i think it was that uh, ashwin already talked about it but that game uh, the spurs game where uh, there was a lot of tension that klopp had he was really pissed off with the referees and then after jota scores he goes and celebrates in front of the fourth official who had nothing to do with anything pavam guy but he goes and celebrates in front of him and deservedly got a hamstring strain and then is clutching his thigh and walking walking away i think um, yeah just just a hilarious moment from start to finish uh, manager going crazy at a referee and then getting instant karma and not being able to walk properly for the next few weeks after that yeah so the klopp uh, doing his hamstring while celebrating in front of the referee is my lol of the season um goal of the season i have a few contenders from a emotional post personal point of view i think bobby firmino scoring in his last game at anfield definitely has to be right up there for me from a pure quality uh, uh perspective i think the almiron goal is probably the best goal that i've seen in the season uh, my one of my favorite goals was the wout wegost uh, uh, equalizer in the world cup um, as well and and probably the one that uh, i think all of us loved and we talked about it in the pod as well was vinicius junior scoring against atletico and then all of them doing the dance in front of that atletico crowd uh, some some pretty epic moments and goals uh, this season um, yeah so but if i had to pick one i think just because it's his last season and he's been a real hero for us and for me for, uh, as well so bobby firmino's goal in the last anfield game uh, pretty perfect end to a amazing career for him at anfield so Honestly, yeah the goal of the season that. is uh, kind of not the goal itself but the assist part of it alexander isaac i think came with the individual moment or the individual uh, contribution of the season against everton where he started uh, you know took the ball on the left side of the halfway line and then he dribbled all the way up got past four to five people showed incredible you know feints and skills and then got to the byline again got past a couple of people and then squared the ball for i think it was murphy to to score i think in terms of individual skill and what newcastle have as a package in terms of isaac uh, he he showed all of it with that one with that one assist so that's the goal of the season for me i didn't watch a lot of premier league football this season especially towards the end um i did see the isaac goal it's a, or the isaac assist goal which is a fantastic uh, piece of skill i will go for a goal purely from 
the wow reaction that I had when it was scored, which is uh, Mbappe's volley, I think, to make it 2-2 in the World Cup Finals. Everyone is talking about Messi, how he's taking charge of the finals, etc. I think Mbappe just stood up and said, I'm here too. I need to be counted. Scored, of course, two penalties. And uh, that volley, when he scored to make it 2-2, it was just and just an incredible piece of skill and uh, to do all of that to just take the world cup final and say that i will do this for my team and for my country i think that was just uh, for me it, it was my most wow moment from a or the, the most wow goal for me uh, of the season it was the penalty that he scored um, i mean consider the the added context is that people found it tough to score penalties uh, against martinez and he not only scored during the game, but also in the shootout. And he was ice cold that game. I know Messi won and he had his own moments of glory during the final. But for me, this will always be the Mbappe final because of all that he did. He single-handedly pulled his team to a penalty shootout when it seemed like they were done for within 90 minutes itself. But anyway, that brings us to the close of these uh, awards or sections or whatever you want to call it. Uh, Just to call out the predictions that we made at the beginning of the season. um, When we talked about the teams that would finish in the top four, not surprisingly, City featured in uh, all our predictions, as interestingly did Liverpool. We all thought Liverpool would make top four and Radha, that has obviously not come to pass. In fact, uh, Radha, Ashwin, Ab and RK even thought that they, they might win, potentially thinking Nunes might be better than Haaland. But those were the days of the community shield, I guess. That was the reasoning behind that. Uh, also, interestingly, Chelsea and Spurs feature. Uh, in in the top four predictions uh, for for bottom three as well, I think uh, we have we had unanimously relegated Bournemouth. I mean, Bournemouth were finishing twentieth, apart from Ashwin who had them finishing nineteenth in front of Nottingham Forest. But the most amazing and unheard of for everyone else uh, uh, was Radha's pick for Brentford to go down. Considering they almost got into Europe, City had so, already won it two times, and I thought they, they don't have enough hunger to probably win it a third time, and that's what they have shown in the past. Whereas Liverpool had a great season, and I thought that you know they would be hungry to go that one extra step. So that's why I picked Liverpool, not the community sheet. And, and listen, nobody at any stage said Darwin Yunus is going to be better than Haaland. In <laughs> fact, I don't ever ever want to compare the two. They're two different players, very good. I, I still think Darwin has a lot of potential ahead of him, but nobody was saying at any stage that he's going to be better than Haaland this season. But anyway, uh, um, speaking for the predictions, uh, Liverpool top four definitely ex- everybody expected. Yeah. Um, Bournemouth, uh, sorry, Bright, uh, Brentford for me was just because of second season syndrome. I think they surprised a lot of teams last season um, with some of their tactics. I thought that is something that Sheffield United did as well in their first season and they promptly went down the next season. So I was just expecting a bit of that. I have to say though, I, I'm going to take credit and points for my prediction of Everton getting relegated. While they didn't get relegated, for me, they were the most consistent relegation threatened team of this entire season. Um, whoever ended up getting relegated probably did, did it because of Swagat's amazing um, like relegation predictions in the last 10 weeks of the season. But Everton has been a consistent uh, relegation threat. So, 
um, yeah, I'm going to take some points for that. I, although I got zero relegation predictions right. Yeah, in in which case we'll also have to give DSK and RK points for for predicting that Everton would go down as well. Just one line from each of you before we close in terms of what you're looking for for the next season while we take a break over the summer period. Dada, why don't you start us off? Yeah, looking forward to getting some people who can run into the team. Uh, at the end of the season, uh, gave me faith that okay, if you train these guys for a week, they're able to turn around the results, finish the season quite strongly. So get a couple of midfielders, maybe three midfielders in who can run and make it difficult for for team for teams to play. I think Liverpool will have a much better season next season uh, after that. Also looking forward to Gakpo. He really surprised with surprised me with how quickly he got integrated to that Firmino kind of role. So. Yeah, very optimistic if we get the right uh, midfielders in. Ab, uh, what do you think about Chelsea? Yeah, so uh, man, just get some discipline into the team, get the guys running. That's all I want from Pochettino. Uh, a lot of dead wood to be shipped. Let's get that shipped out, um, um, and let's just get going. I don't have too much expectations beyond that. Just hope we get get some uh, discipline back into the team. That's it. Uh, sorry, I, I, I would say uh, I can say what I'm not looking forward to. I'm not looking forward to the Glazers being on their perch uh, at you know at United. But I'm I'm hoping I'm hoping that we have new owners, and if we do have that, I'm hoping that that gets back to the right set of players. Uh, I'm hoping for Maguire to potentially leave and join Chelsea or Spurs. That would be great. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, at, at this point, it is all it is all wishful thinking. So, uh, as far as the things that we do know are concerned, I'm probably looking forward to uh, Vincent Company, Spurnley, and like Luton Town play in the Premier League. Uh, I think those are some really good stories that have come up. So yeah, that for now. My wish is that uh, Eric Ten Hag gets back, irrespective of who is in charge this summer. We get those five or six players in that are, that are needed. Uh, it's not about the names, but getting the required quality, and which enables us to start the next season on the right note. Too many times after finishing top four, we have let it we have let it kind of pass, and we start the next season the wrong way on the wrong foot completely. So I am just hoping that Tenai gets back, irrespective of who is in charge. Hopefully, hopefully, Reese James staying fit for an entire season. But we shall see for the time being, uh, listeners. That brings us to the end of the first season of the Talkie Taka podcast. Thank you very much for being on this journey with us, for listening, for viewing, for giving us your feedback, for the likes and dislikes on YouTube as well, and your comments on Twitter. So, on that note, we shall now take a break. We might reconvene in the middle of the break. We'll see you when the season resumes. And uh, for now, that's it. Thank you very much and bye-bye.